In a world where it seems like there's so much going wrong, I want you to see the people who are spending their lives doing and seeing the good. Welcome to the Doing Good Podcast, where we discuss the stories of people who are changing the world in their own way. I'm your host, Carmen Herbert. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Doing Good. And I am excited to welcome Kurt. Okay, Kurt, I didn't even ask how you pronounce your last name. Frankum? Yeah, Frankum. Frankum. Right there. Yeah. Okay, perfect. I'm like, Frankum, Frankum, Frankum. Okay, Frankum. Kurt Frankum. He is the founder and executive director of Leading Saints and manages the day-to-day efforts of Leading Saints and is the host of the podcast. Kurt graduated from the University of Utah in 2008 with a degree in business marketing. He ran a web development company for five years before focusing on Leading Saints full-time. Kurt has helped build the Leading Saints to half a million monthly downloads and 9 million total downloads, which listen in the podcast world, like <laughs> that is insane. That's amazing. Kurt currently lives in Stansbury Park, Utah with his love. And they are blessed to have three children. Is that right? So that was That's on right. The, okay. Awesome. I'm like, there's, there's one that says three children and one that just says you live with your love. So maybe. <laughs> yes. And we have three loves and <laughs> three little I loves. guess depending on the day, but depending uh, on yeah. the day you live with your love and maybe three little wild ones. That's how That's I right. feel too. Like That's I always right. love them, but some days maybe more than others. Kurt, thank you so much for coming on doing good. So I would love yeah. to talk about, first of all, what got you thinking about doing a podcast have you ever do you like listening to podcasts have you ever thought you know what i i actually could really start a podcast of my own because i want to create my own content what got you thinking about doing a podcast yeah you know i definitely identify as a podcast junkie so i'm awesome. always having uh, you know have something in my ear some some podcasts more random than others but yeah I, the podcast started in 2014 i guess leading saints Technically started with sort of a hobby blog in 2010, and then okay. as time went on in 2014, I became more and more familiar with with podcasts, and I thought maybe I could do this. And I had some experience with with public speaking and, and speaking into a mic and whatnot. So I thought yeah. I think I could do this. Yes, and and I did it. And I and think you did uh, it. And, yeah, and, and I've been doing it since 2000. 14 and 500 plus episodes, and you know you reach those numbers if you stick with it long enough. So that is. Really awesome. Like those are incredible numbers. Did you ever, did you want it to be something that was just kind of a hobby? Did you ever anticipate it being full-time? Man, you know, I guess it was sort of the the pie in the sky goal or ambition is thinking, I wonder what this would look like if it was actually my my full-time effort and focus. Yeah. You know, I was so passionate about the principles we talked about, the subjects, the concepts, the, the people I got to interview that I thought, man, this would be so fun to to be able to to do this full time, and it's been that way since 2016. So it's That's my job, and and awesome. I pinch myself every day that I can focus on you know creating great content that's actually making a difference across the world. And do something that you enjoy doing. That's such a blessing to be able to, for your work, to like what you do. So let's talk about Leading Saints. For those that are listening that are like, that maybe haven't heard of it, what is it? Tell us kind of the premise and, and, and how you came up with the concept and the content for Leading Saints. Yeah. So Leading Saints, a lot of people know us as a podcast, but we're actually a nonprofit organization that has a podcast. So our, our mission and focus is to help Latter-day Saints be better prepared to lead. Now, 
naturally, when we think about leadership in the context of church, our, our mind goes to leadership callings, right? And maybe, you know, I know I've had a chance to serve in various leadership callings and, and they're difficult. They're tricky at times, but really the, the, the principles and concepts we discuss uh, through leading saints, the content we create is applicable to any individual and any leadership calling. I've uh, hear from, you know, just the other day, talked with a CPA who says, I use the concepts and principles all the time in my job, oh, just wow. uh, running running my business, you know? Yeah. So though we, we talk about it in the context of, of a church Latter-day Saint experience, you know, these principles are universal and can help anywhere. And so the way, what we see ourselves, just a content producer, just like Desert Book produces content for Latter-day Saints, yeah. we produce content for Latter-day Saints is, as it relates to leadership. And so the podcast is a big thing we do. We do virtual conferences where, where we'll take one topic and do a deep dive around, you know, you can find 20 plus speakers. And you know, awesome. we did one about called Liberating Saints, where we talked all things as far as helping individuals overcome pornography. You know, what, wow. what can we better understand with that? How can we actually help people? And because I was that young bishop once who didn't know what to say other than maybe you should just stop looking at pornography. And they looked at me like, right. oh, wow, genius, Bishop. That was that's, right. uh, like Easier I haven't thought about done. that every minute of my life. Right. And so gaining a new perspective on some of these topics, whether it's, you know, ministering to LB LGBTQ Latter-day Saints or helping individuals through who have who've begun to question their faith, like there's some research and perspectives that we should consider as we we do these things. So that's the gist of what uh, Leading Saints is. I love it. And how do you come up with the oh, yeah. topics? Is, or do you, or is it something you, I mean, I'm assuming it's something you pray about and think about a lot. Is it suggestions from people writing in that said, hey, I really could use help with this specific topic? How do you yeah. narrow it down and choose? Well, early on, I had, the, I mean, the reason I started Leading Saints is I basically was scratching my own itch, right? That I was a, a young leader who had no idea what I was doing. And I seemed to be falling into the same traps that other leaders before me had fallen into with the best intentions. Sure. And I wasn't moving the needle. I wasn't seeing progress happening in, in whatever organization I was leading. And so, you know, I, I, I knew research was out there. I knew people had written books about, you know, motivation or about ministering to people or just yeah. leading in general. And so early on, the topic ideas came from just my own experience of standing in front of a, a quorum and, and trying to influence them to be motivated to actually go and, and minister to their, their brothers and sisters in the ward or, you know, being a bishop and having someone walk in and saying, Bishop, I'm gay. And what do you say about that? Right. <laughs> and yeah. I, I didn't know what to say about it. Right. And so right. early on, it was just, uh, you know, concepts or questions that would come up in my own life. And then I would go out and and find resources and then interview them and, and then put it out there for, for the world to see. And now it's, uh, you know, I, we, we send out an email, everybody who joins our email list, they get a series of emails that follow. And one of those is, has the question of what's your biggest leadership concern that you face right now? Oh. And I get everything responses, everything from how do I motivate people to, I don't know how to lead youth to, you know, more questions about helping an individual through a faith crisis, whatever it be. And then, so those, those topics, you know, stimulate ideas of, of content we could create. And then sometimes I'll just stumble over a really interesting book. Like I found this book called Corrupted and just talks about how leadership tends to corrupt some individuals over than uh, more than others and, and the research behind that. And the, the author wasn't a Latter-day Saint, but I reached out to him and said, Hey, 
I want to talk about these concepts. And it was a fascinating interview to just explore, you know, the, the dynamics of leadership and what power does to even the purest among us. Yeah. And, and so, yeah, we just, as, as content comes, we'll, we'll jump on it and uh, explore deeper meanings in, in the context of being a, a leader or Latter-day Saint leader. Do you feel like some leaders in the church, whether it's being in the bishopric or Relief Society president, young women's president, take on too much responsibility and think it's literally up to them themselves to lead and to save? I, I love and Come Follow Me that the, the last couple of weeks we were learning about Moses and how his father-in-law was like, you cannot, it was yeah. his father-in-law, right? I'm getting yep. that right. Yeah, you're right. It was like, you cannot take this on, you need to appoint worthy men to help you. But do you feel like sometimes if someone is appointed to that position and maybe as your experience as a bishop, you thought it is up to me, it is my responsibility alone. And how do you, how do you teach people that it's okay to delegate? Like you said, some people maybe like that, like, well, I'm in charge or, or how do you, you know, let people say it's okay to delegate and let other people help you lead. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is a fascinating concept. And typically, you'll you'll hear this encouragement in in our faith community of you've got to delegate as a leader, you should take it all on. It's typically, you know, the the bishop or the Relief Society president who's just like put it on his or her shoulders and is trying to just will success into existence. Yes, And and so it's easy to to bang that drum of you got to delegate more. But I think there's a lot going on deeper under the surface that maybe you don't consider. So, and it begins with really a question that we're all born with to some extent of, do I have what it takes? Especially men, they are trying to answer that question from the moment they are born. There's a great book called Wild at Heart by a Christian author named John Eldridge. I've actually interviewed him before and and he explores this concept. It is so it's at our roots of our our creation. And and for women, it's am I worthy? Do, do people see me? Do I have a place in yeah. in this world? Right? Yep. And so we we set out trying to answer this question. We want this validation. We want an experience experience that communicates to us that I am worthy, I have made a difference, and I'm I'm good enough. But what happens is that the next day you wake up and you think, I don't know. Well, I was maybe I was worthy yesterday, but what about today? What about tomorrow? And so we're we're chasing this this concept of validation. And then we get placed in these leadership roles and it gets a bit tricky because we think I was raised to be a really good boy. And so I'm going to be a really nice guy. And if if I'm, if I'm not successful, then there's something wrong with me. Right. And a a good example of this is I just heard from a leader recently saying that, Hey, there's a family in my area who is, seems to be pulling away from the church a little bit. And, you know, we're recording this in, during a time of, of, of pride month, LGBT pride month, and and the family put up a pride flag in their yard. Right. And so this church leader's thinking, how do I communicate to them? How do I go after them and let them know that, Hey, I'm an ally. Like I, I care about the LGBT Q community and and I just don't want you to pull away from the church right yeah and so there's this feeling of like I it is up to me to go and convince that family that I'm an ally and they should stay in yeah. their faith and whatnot right and yeah. I sort of push back on this question saying since when was it your job to convince them that you're an ally or that you they should stay in the church right and of course we we want everybody to, to stay in the church but we put this responsibility on ourselves of like if they do step away it's not their fault yeah. it's my fault as sure. a leader because 
I, and maybe I did something wrong. I need that validation to know that I can actually save them. And so we should never, ever take this question of do I have what it takes or am I worthy to anybody or any calling other than to God? And to just sit with that, with God and say, am I worthy today? Do sure. I have what it takes? And guess what? He'll answer you every single time. Yeah. And the answer will be, of course, you're worthy. Yes. And there's nothing more you have to do to prove that to me. And in that in that uh, cadence, we can actually go out and serve and contribute without chasing this question. We're doing it because we're loved by God. Of course, we want to be people of service and we want to contribute. And we want to change the world, not because we're awesome or to prove our glory, but that God made us and God God's glory is pretty awesome, and it is shining through us as we do that. So the simple answer to that question of, do leaders put too much on their shoulders? Yeah, they do. And and they do need to delegate. And But it begins not with this action of just delegating, but you have to sit and come to reconcile this concept of, you have what it takes. You're worthy. You're validated through the grace of Jesus Christ, and nothing more is required of you. Now, that Now that you know that, what more can you do like in in the name of of God's glory and, and grace yes that is you make such an important point that that really heavenly father loves us no matter what his love for us doesn't change and joy d jones gave a beautiful talk called value beyond measure mm-hmm. september in of 2014 the women's conference yeah and she says she said spiritual worth means to value ourselves the way heavenly father values us not as the world values us our worth was determined before we ever came to this earth god's love is infinite and will endure forever forever and then on the other hand worthiness meaning to partake of the sacrament to hold callings is achieved through obedience but our worth doesn't change it was i love it she said it was determined before we even came here our worth mm-hmm. to heavenly father and and it that it, it is such a tricky subject particularly with the lgbtq com- lgbtq community my heart just aches and breaks for those that feel like they aren't worthy or they don't have worth because they are gay themselves or they have a gay son or daughter and man if we could figure out a way to love and welcome and understand more than feel like we're rescuing or mm-hmm. saving or changing them man i feel like it would just it would just go such a long way with them feeling like they are welcome and want to stay in the church yeah and and it really goes you know it goes down to the first principle of the gospel, which is faith in Jesus Christ. But I believe that there's a first principle of the first principle of the gospel, which is acceptance. Faith in Jesus Christ that he fully accepts you now, currently, with no other effort that that is required of you. And this is is where it gets like, you know, we worship a God of paradox. And this is where it gets a little tricky because we think, well— I, I don't necessarily want to communicate to my my gay son or daughter or my addicted son that I accept them because what if he what if that enables them sure. to like not change right? But sure. this is like this is the paradox of acceptance. And I have this quote hanging in my office office by Carl Rogers. He says the curious paradox is that when I accept myself just as I am, then I can change. And I tweak that a little oh. bit. That the curious paradox is that when Jesus when I realize that Jesus Christ accepts me currently as I am then there's nothing I want to do 
than change, right? We often see these, uh, we live in this world of commandments and there's policies, there's honor codes, there's all these, all these pressures that come sometimes add additional anxiety and stress. And if they're, if the commandments are adding additional anxiety and stress, I think there's, it's not the commandments, it's maybe how we're approaching the commandments where we need to back up and say, actually, I think I'm in need of a little bit of validation from God because I'm seeking it elsewhere and uh, maybe I need to reach that acceptance. And and I had just this grace moment where I was, I was really struggling with my personal scripture study and man, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm the poster boy of Mormondom or or being a Latter-day Saint, right? Like I, I, I've been the Bishop. I've, I've, I served the mission of, I shouldn't be the guy that struggles with, with uh, scripture study. Right. And it went on for months and months and months. And I felt so much shame inside of like, man, why can't I just sit down and engage in the scriptures? Like I'm supposed to do this on a daily yeah. basis. Like what is wrong with me? Right. But now I, I found out later that I really believe God removed any value that I could find in scripture study because he had a deeper lesson to teach me. And I was at a, I was actually at a Christian retreat and they were they were about to start a session and they're just playing some some worship music before it started and i was just sitting there and I, I my mind went to this this struggle i was having of why can't i just do my dailies you know why can't i find value in that daily scripture study and and sure. I, I feel so so guilty that i i can't engage there and in that moment it was such a, a grace moment when god came to me and said kurt you could never read your scriptures again and i'd still love you Aww. And then it came one more time. You could never read your scriptures again, and I'd still love you. And man, I just, I just broke down. Like it was, it, it's so simple. And you think, oh, you know, Kurt struggles with with scripture study, big deal. I, I get there's some bigger struggles out there, but this is how God came and found my heart and saying, Kurt, you need some healing here. There's something about your practices that you're trying to earn something with me, and yes. I don't want you to engage in the commandments in order to earn something no. from me. I want you to engage in the commandments because you love me, that you want to become more like yes. me. And that's where, when you feel that accept, acceptance, again, the first principle of the first principle of the gospel, acceptance of Jesus Christ, man, you're begging for commandments. I'm like, is this all you're giving me? Right. Give me three times three as many more. commandments because yes. I want to change. I want to be better, but it can't, it can't go the other way. We can't say, well, I'm going to, I'm going to start, I'm going to really nail my scripture today. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to earn that temple recommend. And then maybe God will accept me. Like it just doesn't work. And that's such a trap and can be full of so much shame. Spot on. And I, I have two thoughts when you were talking the first one, and I tell this to young women, I have four boys. So um, I'm in young women's right now and I feel like they are all my daughters. And so (laughs) I don't obviously talk to my boys about modesty and, you know, kissing boys and things, you know, like all the dating stuff, like being good (laughs) with boys. It's so different girls and boys and, and what we discuss. And of course, morality and chastity works both ways. And some people would argue modesty works, you know, with boys too. But the fact is we have different body parts and it's just different. It just is. is. And what I tell my girls that, that I work with and that I teach and that I love is it isn't about the hem length of your skirt. It's not about the tank top. It's not about the bikini. It's about living your life in a way that allows you to have the companionship of the Holy Ghost to help guide your actions. And when you do that, just like you said, it's 
easy to put two inches on your knees. It's easy to put that sleeveless shirt on instead of sleeveless. It's easy to wear the one piece instead of the bikini because you recognize it puts you in alignment with Heavenly Father, draws you closer to Him, and then helps you make all these crazy decisions these youth are making at younger ages to be leaders, to yeah. serve missions earlier. These choices they have to make and 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 the world's voices are so loud that the more we can be in alignment with Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ, it's like you want to do those things. You want to not watch those inappropriate shows or read those books or date before you're 16, not because it's a rule and you're good for doing it, but because you recognize the blessings that come to your life and the closeness you feel when you yeah. live your life that way. And if you can change your mindset instead of you're a bad person for being a modest or you're a bad person. It, it, no, Heavenly Father loves you no matter what. It's not mm -hmm. about that. It's not about the what. It's about the why. And that can totally change your perspective on obeying the commandments and doing what you're supposed to be doing and wanting more guidance because then you have more of Heavenly yeah. Father in your life. Yeah. And and who wouldn't who doesn't need more Jesus in their yeah. life? I do for sure. Amen. Amen. The second thing that I thought of was when you said our God is a God of paradox. It is so interesting to me. The very first thing we learn about in the temple is the dual commandment that don't eat the fruit, but you need to, you know, procreate Multiple, and yeah. multiply and replenish the earth. And they're completely different. You can't do both. And so Sometimes when I think particularly with with the sweet LGBTQ community and I have family members and friends that are gay and lesbian and I think about this dual commandment a lot and how Adam and Eve made this choice but it, they were both commandments so if they would have chose not to were they still obeying a commandment we wouldn't have come to earth but would they still be obeying God and so this choice that they're given, I think about LGBTQ who are coming to church still, that makes me emotional and doing their best. And 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 the commandment is, you know, they don't get married, and 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 I don't understand that. But there are two different things. Like we love you how you are, and Heavenly Father made you who you are. And and my friend Charlie Bird talks about a moment in the temple where he feels like Heavenly Father told him. I made you exactly the way you are and I love you the way you are. And he's like, well, then what's my mission and purpose if I can't get married and I can't have a family, but you made me this way and I don't understand all of it. But if it's sometimes I think, well, maybe there's just, there's two different things and we have agency and we don't know how they both connect and, and we make choices in this life and who knows what the next will look like. But, but when we are aligning ourselves with the commandments and doing what we're trying our best that we'll be able to feel Heavenly Father's love and acceptance for us no matter what's going on in our life. And I just have to think there's something bigger. There's a bigger purpose. There's a bigger reason. And someday we're going to know. We're going to know what that is. And and it's hard. It, it, I'm not saying it's easy. And it's like, well, just know that Heavenly Father loves you because it would be hard to go your whole life thinking, well, so am I just going to be single? Is that the commandment? Is that what I'm going to do? I don't know. I don't have questions or answers to those hard questions, yeah. but it does help to know that sometimes there's two different things that seem like these don't go at all, but they're both commandments. And how does this work? That sometimes gives me peace to think, well, sometimes yeah. Heavenly Father says two different things and, and we just do what he's asking us to do now. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, no, that's the, 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 I mean, this concept of paradox, we often, our, our mortal brains think, well, I got to 
choose one or the other, right? Yeah. And, and or else. And what's the right uh, one? Yeah. And, what's the right yeah. one? And and how can if I choose, you know, if I choose God and His gospel with these commandments, like how can I be happy, right? And yeah. And, and again, these are these are tough situations, and uh, you know, people people make different decisions and whatnot. But sure. faith as a you know going back to leadership and or as a, a faith community. The faith in all this is, do you have the faith to say to somebody, Charlie, you could be gay the rest of your life and even make decisions I don't agree with, and I still love you. Like, there's a place for you in our faith community. And that's where we sometimes get uneasy thinking, well, we don't want to come across that we're condoning anything. Like, no, no, no. That's where the faith comes in. You have to have faith that maybe some people will interpret your actions that you're actually condoning something. But you know in your heart, that you're extending acceptance, just like Jesus Christ has extended acceptance to you. And then they may fa- feel that much more comfortable sitting in the pew. And the more they're in the pew, they may be that much closer to having a divine interaction where they feel that acceptance from God. Because again, that's where the, only, the, the truest place of validation can come is from, from God. And then they think, maybe there's more I can do to change. I love that thought. I The, the more they're in an environment where they feel love and feel the spirit, then the more they're able to maybe make changes in their life or, or feel accepted. So Kurt, as far I would love to talk to you about missionaries and our boy. So I have four boys, one who just came in here and, and interrupted our podcast, my little guy, Benson. And so because now they go into young men's the year they turn 12, my little barely 11 year old who turned 11 and October was a deacon in January because, you know, he turns 12 at the end of this year. And I feel like Heavenly Father is expecting more from children earlier. Hmm. And they're they're taking on more responsibility, preparing to be leaders earlier in, in life. And my oldest was Deacon's Corn President. As soon as he turned 11, his birthday was in December. Oh, cool. And I'm like, he's in elementary school. Like he's in fifth grade and he's deacon. Now he's a key holder. Yes. And he holds <laughs> keys. And I'm like, what in the world? It was, it was wild to me as a mom. Like this is, this is really wild to me as this little, this child is, has all these big responsibilities and, and leadership roles in the church. And it was also really neat for me to see the, the responsibility that, that he felt in that role and how seriously he took that and made lots of mistakes and forgot to call people for activities and all that, but also was trying to get to church on time and have people set up the sacrament and was there serving every week. And so preparing for missionary service, which now can be done at 18 for boys and 19 for girls. What, how does, do you talk about that a lot in your podcast and and how does learning to be a leader younger help these men and young women leave their homes and serve missions and bring people to the gospel. Yeah, man, what a great question. So obviously I, I love our tradition in the church and, you know, I'll admit it's maybe a little more prominent with the young men than the young women, but there's, yeah. there's various things we can do, as you know, as young women to help them feel that leadership, you know, role so that they can grow and learn from it. You sure. know, I just, I just love these these quorums and classes they go through, they're given opportunities to lead at such a young age. And I was the deacon's quorum president. I remember that. I just sort of, you know, look towards my leader and be like, I don't know, you take over. I don't know. You know? Yeah. And, and there's there's so much we can do there. And and this is this is a, a tricky dynamic because again, at a young age, we can accidentally insert this dynamic of like, 
you know, you need to, you're the leader now. There's, so there's certain things you need to do to earn it. Or, or if you, if, if we don't call you as the teacher's quorum president, like maybe there's something, something wrong with you. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then going towards mission, I think just, you know, there, there's some, some, uh, cultures and governments who require like military service, right? Like when you turn 18, you got to enroll, you know, sure. enlist in the, in the military. And, and you see individuals who go, who serve in the military, who have great transformational sanctification, uh, sanctifying experiences because of that really difficult experience. Yeah. And so the fact that we offer that to young men and young women at a young age say, you know, we're going to send you on the other side of the globe and it's going to be hard and here you go and, and you'll be blessed for them. And for me personally, that became such a, a sanctifying experience for me individually. Um, but I think, you know, we hear a lot from President Nielsen about the covenant path. We also hear a lot from about missionary work. And I think the best thing we can do for, for our youth is really delineate between the, the purpose of the covenant path and then our our deep desire for this validation right and I'm gonna take I'm gonna take a left turn here that's that may offend some people but there's there's this thing we do in our culture and not in our church culture like and I and it's not just a, a US thing but have, have you ever and maybe you did one yourself Carmen a gender reveal party <laughs> have you done this no I didn't okay, all right no I just called everyone and I'm like it's a boy again it's another yeah. boy yeah it's another boy I, <laughs> I kind of think they're ridiculous like no offense if you want to do the gender reveal thing do yeah. it just don't invite me yes. I, I can't I can't no. get whatever like with my kids we're just in the the ultrasound and the text says it's a boy it's a girl and we Yep. We kiss and hug and go That's home exactly and, how, yep. and start you. painting in the nursery, right? So yep. anyways, but the reason I bring up gender reveals is that we sort of have this similar dynamic with mission calls. Yes. And that is, all right, Timmy's got his mission call, like call the universe, bring yep. him over to the party or to right. bring him over to the house. We're going to have this party. We're going to, it's going to be standing room only and he's going to stand at the top of the stairs and read his mission yep. call. Now, again, I realize I'm offending so many. I don't like the mission call thing because it emphasizes the validation of the mission experience rather than just the mission experience as a wonderful opportunity. Oh, so so true. When, when my a daughter or son grow up and get a mission call, they obviously they can do whatever they want. If they right. want to do the mission call thing, I'm not going to be like, no, you can't do that. But I'll say, Hey, listen, right. why don't you take a time and go and, and go somewhere, maybe go hike up the mountain and, and open your mission call and just be there with God and, yes. and, and benefit from it. Right. Yeah. So, cause the real focus where people should be gathering and cheering is the temple ordinance. Like this yes. is, this is the saving ordinance, right? Yes. So if we can come together as a community and say, okay, that was fun in the past. Let's stop doing that, but focus on the temple. Right. And how can we celebrate the fact that they're taking that step? Cause I have a, an awesome nephew who I deeply love who isn't serving a mission and he's mission age, but he recently went through the temple. And so what can we do to say like, Hey man, like this is so cool that you're taking this step and you, you, you deserve a room full of your friends and families cheering for you, even though I don't know how we would orchestrate that. But again, we're, we're accidentally answering this question of, do I have what it takes? Yeah. Cause we're going to come in a room and we're going to, we're going to scream when you say Boise, Idaho, why are we cheering for Boise? I don't know, but Hey, you get to go to Boise, Idaho. Right. So anyways, it, it all goes back to this validation concept of we have a remarkable way of developing young leaders in our church, but we have to 
delineate between you're not doing this to earn anything. You're doing this because God loves you and he wants to make something out of you. And he can do that through these experiences, whether that's going on a mission, whether that's going into the military or whether that's going to the temple, he will make something out of you that will be remarkable, that his glory will shine through you. I love that so much. And I think it's so important to remember that. And they, it, missions are they are wonderful. And I know people get so excited about the choices their kids are making and they're celebrated, but they are hard. I mean, they are so hard. And, and it is like, I had, you know, a niece go to Australia and then I had one go to Florida. And it's funny that it's almost like, yay, like Australian Mandarin speaking. That's like, oh, yay. And it's like, but it's not a, it's not about right. where yeah. it's, it's, she's serving the Lord right. yeah. for a year and a half. And, and same thing. And it's, it's, it's like the place that celebrated or like, wow, look where you were called and the emphasis on, on that versus like you said, obeying the Lord and doing something that you've, and for boys, you know, priesthood duties and for girls, if they feel called to do it, just making that sacrifice of serving the Lord and having him make you into something because wherever you are for two years, if you are dedicated to serving and doing humanitarian work, heavenly father is going to change you and make you something incredible. I did not serve a mission. I was on American Idol during that age. And so, but I was able to share the gospel and, and talk about my standards and beliefs. And I feel like that was kind of a mini mission. I wasn't called to it, but it was something that completely changed me and changed the trajectory of my life, realizing who I was and watching how heavenly father used my talents to bring others to the gospel, not to be famous because I didn't and everything fizzled after. And, and I, I, you know, went to Nashville and did stuff and then became a mom and this is what I do now, but using my talents for a different purpose. And I think he uses all of our talents, which is kind of the whole purpose of this podcast is, is to build up and establish the kingdom of God and, and, and of Zion and to help others along their journey. And, and not saying that you don't, go for the stars and achieve big things and be as amazing as heavenly father wants and needs you to be. But it's, it's not for you. Like it's, it's for others and it's for him. And when, when you can realize that, Oh, he can just make so much more of your life than you could ever dream. Yeah. That's the, that's the remarkable thing about our God is that he can, you pick the path, whatever path you, you like, test me. You, yeah. you go on the path where you don't serve a mission or maybe you you leave the church for, for 10 years or so or whatever, like you go ahead and test me. I will still make you great, right? And yes. here, here's another dynamic in, in all of this. And um, I, I need a better way to frame this because I think it, <laughs> it turns people off a little bit, but I have, this is m- the most controversial belief I have in, in the context of the church. Oh, I'm excited life. to hear. All right. So I believe that God has zero expectations in us. I'm like, wait a minute, Carl, that's ridiculous. Like, what about these commandments? What about all this? That, yeah. you know, he's, he's prodding us, right? But now hear me out. Okay. He doesn't have expectations. He has expectancy. Just like we have we don't have an expectation that the sun will rise tomorrow. Right. We have expectancy that it will. We don't fret one bit today that the sun will not rise tomorrow. We just know it will. Right. Yes. So, and we often talk about in the context of the saving power of Jesus Christ and his atonement, and we, we bear testimony about it. And, you know, I believe, I know, like, 
there we've heard some remarkable testimonies about the atonement of Jesus Christ. Now, yes. Imagine if our eternal Father in heaven stood at the lectern and said, "I'm Heavenly Father, and today I'd like to bear my testimony about Jesus Christ and His atonement." Consider the faith and the certainty that God has in Jesus Christ. Does he does he worry that the atonement's not going to work for us? Like he's like, no, it's going to work. Like, right. I don't care right. what. I have zero expectations. Like if you don't go on a mission, you don't go on a mission. I'm still going to save you through my son. I yes. will still come after you. Right. And so when we make these decisions as mortals, as parents, we think, oh, you know, Timmy, darn it. He's not going to go on a mission. Like, what does this mean with his faith? Does he really, will he have that foundation? But God is saying, okay, whatever path he's on, I will pursue him and I will sanctify him. I will go after him. Right. Like that's yes. the magnificence. Like to me, it, it's mind blowing how, how remarkable that is. But that's what I believe our God is, is he's just remarkable. He's beyond comprehension. And so I get that my controversial belief that God doesn't have expectations can be hard to grasp, but that's God I believe in because he has expectancy that, okay, little Timmy's not going to go on a mission. It's all right. I got him because I, I can him. see 15 years down the road where this, he, he's a young father and his child gets cancer and guess who he turns to me. And I'll be right there as many times as he needs. And maybe he doesn't turn to me, but no, in another five years, there's going to be a little disruption in his life. And guess who he turns to me and I'll sanctify him then. Right. So I think as, as parents and as mortals, it's really important for us to just take a deep breath and set aside expectations and say, you know, I'm just going to accept him and I'm going to love him. And regardless of what path he goes on, I have faith in Jesus Christ that he will, he'll reach him. Well, I think that that is really, so sorry, door slam, kids are fighting in the background, that I feel like Heavenly Father, when it becomes about, I will only love you or only bless you if you do these mm -hmm. things, I, I, I think it's not about earning his love or doing right. things to get his acceptance. Again, it, it, and my philosophy is when we do those things and we see the blessings and we see Heavenly Father's guidance, we want to live our life in a way that will invite that more. And we, mm -hmm. and, and whatever decisions we make, we're never, it's never too late. We're never too lost. It, it whatever deciding to go on a mission or not, even like you know, missionaries that come home and, and fall away and, and then maybe take years to come back. I love that thought of it's no, I got you. Like, I know what your life can be like. I, I and, and whatever choices you make, he it, it's this never too far for his love to reach us and and to change us and to help us and there are like i've seen in in my family members lives situations where they have maybe gone off the beaten path and then a life crisis something will come along and they're like well who do i turn to he only one and that is when oof their life makes this beautiful 180 and and those experiences that they had, they can they can then clearly see, now I can see life with and without the gospel and why it means so much to me and how much better my life is with it. My own grandma, she was inactive for years and years and years and 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 married, remarried a non-member after she was divorced and didn't go to church for so long. And my mom was always the one like, mom, mom, come back to church and come on, please. And then one day she's just like, Oh, I'm, I've decided to come back. And my mom was like, 
what? Like it was years and she was shocked yeah. and she's like, what? And, and it was just this gradual thing with amazing visiting teachers and amazing bishopric. And it was, wasn't like this incredible life-changing experience, but recently she was diagnosed with ovarian cancer hmm. and it was the size of a grapefruit. Wow. Her tumor on her over stage four and she was 80 and her doctor said, basically, he's like, I'm going to give you a time frame to live. And she stopped him and she said, this isn't in your hands. This is in God's hands. She's like, don't give me a time frame because you don't know. And he's like, well, I kind of know because I've seen it, you know, like, yeah, I, I kind of know based on your pregnant and it had spread. And she said, don't tell me. And she said one day she was looking in her jewelry box and she found a necklace that she'd never seen before. It was a little key. And it said, let go, let God. And she put that on and she's like, it's not up to you. I don't want to hear anything. She beat that cancer. She's been cancer free for like five years. Not a trace. Her, she, like her body was never stronger. Chemo can cause like sores in your mouth, lose all your hair. She was never healthier. She was glowing. The doctor, every time she come back, he's like, I do not understand what's happening. <laughs> like this 80 year old grandma that has grapefruit sized tumors in her body. And she's like, because it's not up to you. And that experience also, she said, I used to believe in like magical things like crystals and energy work and all this stuff. And I'm for those that love that, I'm, there's nothing against that. But sure. she said, I used to think those things would help me and heal me. And she said, it's only heavenly father and only he can reach us in our deepest trials. And he has a plan for us, regardless of what we choose or what happens to us. Mm. It's up to him. Yeah. And, and her faith going from everything she's been through in her life and watching my sweet old grandma at 85 figure something out that it, it's just, it's been such an incredible experience for us and, and to watch her go through that and have her faith strengthened that took a whole lifetime to kind of be like, it doesn't matter. Heavenly father's got us. Like you said, yeah. he's got you. Yeah, I, the, what I love about that story is her. You know, he she basically said to the doctor, "Don't give me an expectation." No, like yeah. I'm given. That's in God's hands, right? Yep. And so, and this is what what we do sometimes is we think, well, I need to make sure that my 18 year old has a clear expectation of what I yes. expect, or else right. they may not do it. And we got to say, don't give them an expectation. Just say. God's got you, whatever you pick your, your direction and we'll be right there with you. And so will Jesus. Yes. And the decisions you like, you can make it harder or yeah. easier, yeah. like, you know, cause people are like, well, then I'll just, you know, do whatever I want. And it's like, well, you can cause yourself a lot of heartache mm -hmm. and a lot of pain along the way, but, but even still heavenly father's going to work all things together for your good. It's almost like, sorry, but he loves you too much to let you go. He loves you too much to just let life happen to you. And you can make it harder on yourself, but he's always there knocking and reaching down and saying, just yeah. turn to me, you guys, darn it. Like <laughs> sometimes he's like, come on, it's easier with me. But some people have to learn through tough experience that that really is the case, that it, life is easier and sweeter and more peaceful and more doable to walk hand in hand with Jesus Christ, more Jesus. Amen. Amen. Kurt, thank you so much for taking the time yeah, to come on Doing Good and for all the good that you are doing with Leading Saints. So tell sure. people where they can go for more content like this and, and learn more about your foundation and everything that you're doing. 
Yeah. So if you're li- listening to this on a, a traditional podcast, you know, app like Apple Podcasts or whatever, you can just search for Leading Saints and look for the the red logo or go awesome. to leadingsaints.org and jump into whatever content you can peruse any of our, the you know, the library of any of our past virtual conferences, either about addiction or faith crises or LGBTQ or whatever it is, jump in and it's all there for, for the taking. So, And I love that people like you are talking about the hard things and the difficult things because we are a worldwide church and we have worldwide experiences and problems and issues. And it's not everyone's in a box. Everyone is facing a variety of difficult things. And I think it's so great to have voices like you that are like, listen, we're here to help. We're here to provide hope and light. And we all need each other. Like we all need each other and and we need to support each other. And my last question for you before we leave is do you, and this might be a, it might lead into a really long question, but I, but I just wanted to ask, do you believe that we are all born to be leaders? Absolutely. Because we are God's creation and God don't make junk as, as a wise philosopher once said, I mean, he, he is, his glory comes through us. And this is where I really, it breaks my heart sometimes when I see people um, shrink away from opportunities or even opportunities of leadership thinking, oh, you know, just me, like, golly, I, I don't have much to offer. Like, what are you talking about? Like, God created you. And for you to worship his glory means you need to step into a larger story and see what he can make of you. Oh, I love uh, that. And that is where his workshop is for you. And so, you know, there are those times I, I don't, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to pound my chest and be like, look at this awesome organization that I built and all the hard work. And, you know, yeah, it took a lot of hard work and it is remarkable what it's doing, not because Kurt did it, but because God did it through me. Like I'm God's boy. Of course, I'm going to do remarkable things. And of course you are too. I love that. And and everyone has the capacity to do great, incredible things. And and I think that's something that that I love that you promote too, is there's space for everyone. There's space for whatever you love to do. It's like, well, but she's a singer. Well, but he does podcasts. Yeah. Well, I shouldn't try that because there's a million basketball players. There's a million fireside speakers, whatever it is. There's a million <laughs> businessmen, but there's only... I know it's so cliche, but really, truly, there is only one you. You, There's only one you. And and your unique perspective on life and talents and life experience brings something different than another singer, than another podcaster, than someone else that has maybe similar talents, but not similar personalities and characteristics and unique qualities that only you have. So thank you, Kurt, for bringing that uniqueness and light and perspective into the podcasting world with leading saints and for all the good you are doing through that. Yeah, it's a it's an honor. Thank you. Thank you. I 
am Carmen Herbert, and I'm so excited to tell you about an amazing app that my whole family loves. It's called Our Turtle House, and it's full of literally thousands of hours of full-length talks, just like the old talk on CDs or talk on tapes, from some of your favorite Latter-day Saint speakers like John By the Way, Mick Johnson, Hank Smith, me, and a ton more. Plus, there's podcasts, firesides, devotionals, come follow me resources, and entertaining content your whole family will enjoy, truly, all in one little app. And you can use promo code doing good, all one word, at checkout, and you get a full month free. So check it out and sign up at ourturtlehouse.com. See you soon.